Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. Welcome to Series 6 of Helpful Social Work. I'm Jerry. I'm Jo. And throughout this series, we're looking at equality and anti-oppressive practice. We're using the Equality Act in England as a framework. We started off by revisiting the ethics and the social work role around fighting discrimination and the theories that supported that. And each month now, we'll be looking at the evidence of inequality related to a protective characteristic and considering how social workers can challenge and discrimination and uphold rights. Um, last month, we considered disability. And this month, it'll be race and ethnicity. And you can find all of the podcasts that we've done so far across our five series um, at www.helpfulsocialwork.com. And we have previously recorded podcasts around anti-racism um, and a podcast on Black Lives Matter with some colleagues of ours. So please do listen to these. Um, this podcast aims to kind of add some additional reflections to those areas. And thank you to everyone who's liked us on Facebook and downloaded our podcasts. And we have just passed 100,000 downloads. Which is mad, Jerry. just like to say. That's, that's wonderful. That's, that's a big number, isn't it? So thank you, everybody. Yeah, we really hope you enjoy them. And you can let us know what you think by visiting our website or by commenting on iTunes or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast. And we're both on Twitter. I'm at Effective Crack and Joe is at jfox underscore Joe. Um, it's also really helpful if you do leave a review on iTunes because that's a way of um, enabling other people to find us. I think we ought to um, start this podcast by that um, we are two white people talking about race and ethnicity and that we both have white privilege. And I think it's important just to say that up front. Um, and when we think about white privilege, for me, a helpful definition of this is not experiencing discrimination on the grounds of our skin colour. And I think that just kind of nicely encapsulates that idea. And I know we have spoken about it on our other podcasts, but it's important just to kind of bring that out to the front. And we had also we said in our last podcast that we want to open this platform to other speakers um, and so far, we had a few people get in touch with us. So watch this space. We hope to be doing some um, shared podding over the summer, which Jerry and I are both really excited about. But please do get in touch if you want to use this platform to talk about what hope, helpful social work means to you. So we're going to talk about race and ethnicity, though, today. Um, they're a protected characteristic under the Equality Act in England, and what that means is you're protected by law from discrimination. And our code of ethics also require us to challenge discrimination and oppression, uphold rights and tackle inequality, and, and that code of ethics goes far beyond the letter of the law. And in the Equality Act, race um, can mean your colour or your nationality, including citizenship. Um, people can have different nationality and citizenship and ethnicity. Um, can mean your ethnic or national origins. Um, it also covers ethnic and racial groups, so a group of people who all share the same protected characteristic of ethnicity or race. And a racial group can be made up of um, more than one kind of distinct um, characteristic, for example, you might have black British people, um, British Asians, British Jews, Romani Gypsies, Irish travellers. So there's 
there's a complexity to it and um, a real need to, to be quite person-centred in how you think about this um, and think about the crossover between um, ethnicity, nationality, citizenship, culture, religion, belief, um, all of those elements that can make up a culture essentially. Um, mm -hmm. And of course it all intersects with other aspects of identity. Um, we've talked a little bit about intersectionality before um, and that's something that's you've got to be really mindful about. Um, so, and two helpful tools there, Jerry. Just sorry to jump in, but I was just doing a piece of work yesterday with a group, um, and we looked at um, Kimberly Cranshaw's work on intersectionality, and this, we also looked at the social graces, John Burnham's social graces together, and it was quite helpful um, to use those two models to inform our thinking ar around this area, and particular around power and white privilege. So there was, it was, can lead to some really rich and nice conversations if you put those tools together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the things um, that are currently happening in social work um, that we can be really aware of and engage with um, around essentially tackling the racialization of people um, are, firstly, there is a greater recognition, I think, now of white privilege within social work and how this is affecting um, the power that people have, the experience that they have and their opportunities within social work. Um, and I know there's additional um, research and evidence um, happening or being brought forward around the experiences of students, for example, people going into social work, mm. um, management, leadership, those kind of areas. Um, I think there's been a really um, uh, kind of renewed attention to anti-racist practice um, and recognising that as a, as a really particular area uh, within anti-oppressive practice as a whole and not diluting anti-racist practice um, and also the, the kind of strands of anti-racism um, anti um, relating to the experiences of different groups and how those intersect um, and, and being thoughtful about that as not just a kind of blanket practice but a really careful um, practice um, and within that you know things like being much more sophisticated than just talking about um, BAME people um, mm. and, and you're kind of trying to outlaw those sorts of uh, generic um, labels which you know we're designed to be helpful but again can become quite um, quite quite unthoughtful Mm. Um, I think, it's, you know, as, Joe, as you've said, intersectionality um, and thinking about the different ways that people's identities and experience inter interact, um, that's becoming a much more prevalent model within social work. Um, and there's been some really helpful um, activity that's really kind of starting to um, gain traction around workforce equality. So, for example, in England, there's a workforce race and equality standard pilot happening in adult social care. So there's 18 local authorities, I believe, who are um, working to understand the makeup of their workforce much more, um, much more carefully and to identify um, how they can promote um, race equality. And there's mm -hmm. also a lot of discussion and effort across, particularly across education, but um, you know, other areas of social work around decolonising um, social work and really trying to understand the history um, within this country um, and the, the, the history, history that is privileged um, and the way that that has impacted on the kind of social policy and structures that we have, um, including social work um, and how we can kind of include voices and perspectives that have, have been ignored um, and the wisdom that has been 
like missed out um, mm. so that social work becomes much less eurocentric um, and recognizes the diversity of of human aspiration and experience and and learning and i think that's that's such important work really isn't it jerry first of all that um increasing kind of nuance and sophistication um that the conversation is is bringing as you say instead of just lumping these bame people all together actually going hang on a minute who who are the who are these individual people and what are their individual experiences and how do we understand them and what do they offer us but also um you know understanding the impact of colonization and and how that has really affected social work in 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 both um England in Australia for example you know there's all sorts of countries around the world where um you know that eurocentric perspective has really been the dominant discourse and has had you know quite a negative impact mm. on on people from other cultures and 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 as you say we've we've really missed out a richness there and we think we so, have to be really wary in that area because of the potential for a narrow viewpoint and particularly a kind of um, prioritizing of the experiences of, of one group, um, a powerful mm. group, to lead us mm. into exclusion and, and oppression and potentially also um, you know, really damaging policies and practices that social workers can get caught up in as well. Um, and, and I also heard a, um, a wonderful presentation at the Basel England conference by a guy called Father Tampa talking about um, decolonizing social work and what was really helpful about it was the the, the really kind of practical um, appreciation of, of what that means because it's a phrase that can get um, get mm. quite misunderstood I think and you can think that it means forgetting history or um, you know ignoring some people's experiences to think about other people's experiences um, but what he was saying is you know if social workers do have this sense of equality and take that seriously then you need to rectify historically entrenched inequalities. So you need to understand the history to understand where the inequalities have come from and why they've become entrenched. Um, and then that enables you to have the understanding to take action. So, um, so understanding what um, colonization was, its impact and how that shaped experience allows you then to act to change the structures and the opportunities now. Um, and so if you um, want to understand English colonization then um, as in you know our role both um, here and overseas then a really fantastic place to start is with um, David Olasogo's book uh, Black and British which I have read and was very impactful it's it's a big read but it's a really helpful read um, to start to think about well, well, what was the colonial structure and what was the impact and what has been the impact on and the experience of um, black people here in the UK. And, you know, there's some surprising things that I learned, like the first black people who came to the UK actually came here to Cumbria uh, in the fourth century and lived just, just kind of down the road here. Um, because they were part of the Roman army. So, it, it, you know, there's there's been a long history mm -hmm. of um, people, black people being in Britain and 
it hasn't been a passive history. I think that was the thing that I got from it. They're not just inert objects, you know, that, that, that in the historical past, these were, you know, people who had drive and vision and ambition and who brought all sorts of amazing things. Yeah, there's um, a really wonderful, rich tapestry of history in these yeah. islands, aren't there? And the um, what's happened internally and what's happened externally, it's, it's really helpful to understand it. Mm. Um, and as you say, that to understand, to recognise the particular impact of colorism within that. Um, um, yeah, so um, I, th I think that one of the um, things that has been, when we talk about, you know, that this move, that, that a kind of an awareness has been risen in social work and, and there's lots and lots of effort. One of the fantastic things was that there was a motion um, from last year's annual general meeting at Baswa. And um, I just want to read out some of that because it was quite a, a powerful motion. Um, this annual general meeting affirms that social work is a human rights profession committed to social justice and reasserts the core values of social work, which include the respect for the inherent worth and dignity of all people and proactive challenge to all forms of discrimination. So, you know, that's that's just such a significant statement there. And as you say, when you think about um, the Equality Act and you look at this statement, you can see it goes so much further, mm -hmm. uh, which is so important. And they then um, went on to say that they recognise the worldwide evidence of continued structural racism and discrimination affecting minority communities, including the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 and the lockdown penalties on black, Asian, minority ethnic communities, the murder of George Floyd, in May in the United States of America, the growth in hate crime in the United Kingdom and globally, including anti-Jewish and anti-Muslim prejudice, the negative impact of racism and discrimination on the development and self-worth of children and young people, and the disproportionate number of young men from black communities in prison establishments, the impact of the Grenville fire, and many other examples. And that's a really powerful and good statement that I think that our profession, uh, the, the lead of our profession made and something that we should be kind of carrying in the back of our head. Yeah. And I think that evidence is really important, isn't that? Because mm. there's, there's oppression everywhere, but there is particular, um, you know, there, we need to be, there, there's, there's particular evidence of racial oppression, of people being racialized, um, sort of just, you know, kind of um, put into a group on the grounds of of a you know of color of made you know made yeah. up racial characteristics um yeah. and also of oppression on the grounds of ethnicity and religion that belongs to particular groups as well and when you look at that evidence and you look at you know the difference in opportunity and life chances and you look mm. at the fact that you cannot explain that um on the grounds of you know um yeah of human difference and um, this is this is structural differences contextual differences is things that people are um these barriers that we are erecting um that we need to take down and i think that evidence is is really important because it's not just a question of this being um you know a, an, an ideological imperative it's actually a you know, this is stuff that people are experiencing. This is yeah. stuff people are experiencing right now, and that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because we started off um, talking about the history. So when we think about colonialization, it's all about the history which we need to understand. But 
that history brings us right into today. So it's not as if we didn't do anything. So it's not, you know, it's not relevant anymore because it's in the past. Actually, you know, people experience today, you know, today there will be people who will be disadvantaged or who will experience prejudice or worse because of the colour of their skin or because of the religion that they belong to. Um, yeah, and crucially, and, there's and, also people who are advantaged because of it. So another another really important yeah. thing to, to think about is the absolutely the, the, the advantage that I've gained from the history, for example. Yes. Um, which is totally unfair. You know, I didn't do anything to deserve that. It's um, yeah. And so so yeah, it's not just about dismantling the disadvantages. It's also about recognizing the advantage um well, sharing the privilege and this is um this interesting concept isn't it because uh, so um uh, a friend of mine who's who's black said to me well what are you willing to give up what are you willing to give up to ensure that other people have equality mm-hmm. and i thought that that and that question's really stuck with me actually um because you can't amass privilege and think that your advantages don't disadvantage others. And that's, I guess, one of the reasons why we're so keen to try and share this platform. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's some, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge to us, isn't it? And something we've got to be thinking about all the time. Yeah. What are and we It's a challenge in allyship, isn't it? You know, how do you yeah. work your way out of being the advocate? You know, you, if you are trying to change things, one of the ways you need to change them is to make it make yourself no longer needed. Mm, absolutely. Um, so, and I think in social work, there's a range of areas that we really need to think about race and ethnicity and the, this pressure, oppression that goes alongside them. So, in our own workforce, um, because of the um, the unequal opportunities and, um, and, the, and you know, the barriers that people face in our social work delivery, so how we go about um, delivering services, um, engaging with people, supporting people. And also social workers do have a social justice element to our code of ethics. There is the wider societal issues. And of course, the wider society impacts on social work delivery, doesn't that? You know, um, if, if people do have the opportunity to thrive, then generally they won't need social work delivery in the same way they won't need us to be involved in the same way and you, you, know, you can you can look at the um, data around involvement of social workers in communities and see how that is skewed by disadvantage including um, correlated with with race and ethnicity and there's some practical things we can do here isn't there because because I think one of the things is once you start to become aware um, of the advantage of your own situation and you start to really look at the, as you say, the facts around the types of the impact of structural racism, then what what you need to do is think about, well, well how can I actually make a difference? And um, I started off, I think, by expecting um, that my black colleagues, because I work with some really you know, talented and passionate um, people who who really, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about um, how they can 
bring equality into society. I started off by thinking that they would just be able to tell me things. So I just kind of went to them and said, oh, you know, I really want us to be an anti-racist workforce. So what should we do? Um, and the answer came back pretty swiftly to me, which was educate yourself. Yeah. And I... First of all, to be quite honest with you, Jerry, I, I was a little put out by this response because I kind of thought, well, I've come to you asking. Um, but, you know, um, what they did was they pointed me to some reading and said, here you go, off you go. And, of course, once I started digging into this, the wealth of materials, the richness of work that is out there it's just amazing and, and really, really fantastic. And I ended up really getting myself lost in it. But what, one of the things that I did find, um, it's by Dr. Selma Patel, and she's written this lovely thing called 12 Practical Things to Do This Week. Mm-hmm. And in it, she talks about, you know, reach out personally to black or um, BAME people under your leadership, show them your solidarity, acknowledge injustice and, you know, ask them how they're doing, make some time to listen. You know, go out of your way if you're working with somebody um, to give them credit, to promote them, make sure to name check them um, and, and really, you know, make sure you use LinkedIn to give them recommendations. And this is, you know, kind of because of structural racism, which unfairly disadvantages them, this is something really practical you can do. And one of the things that we've taken to doing um, in in our organization now, we write a lot of education materials. We now always make sure that anything we write has at least one contribution from um, somebody from a different, from a diverse background from us, but specifically somebody who is black, um, Asian, or from another minority group. We're looking at um, and bringing their work into the social work field. But there's some, there's, there is just some really good ideas out there, you know, around how you can actually use your own privilege to, to make a difference and how you can educate yourself. There's so much, there's so much stuff out there. And I, I've signed up to a daily email called the Anti-Racist Daily, which, um, it's, it's from America actually. It's really, it's really good. And it's, um, it just has a, a short essay each day. So, you know, um, takes about five minutes to read and then some reflective points for you to think about, you know, a dimension um, of, of racism and how you can challenge it. Um, again, really, really practical, um, particularly if you live in the US, because you've got bullet points for things that you can do there politically, but it also translates very well into the UK context. Um, another thing that I would definitely recommend is a book called Outlanders, Hidden Narratives from Social Workers of Colour. Um, and that's um, that came out only recently this year, and yeah. it's edited by Wayne Reed and Siobhan McLean. Um, and there's a particular bit in there that, you know, quite near the beginning, where Siobhan McLean's talking about the golden threads, um, mm. which which really struck me, which is about overcoming invisibility um, and overcoming silence. And there's this there's a really beautiful poem in there. It's a, it's a really nice mixture of essays and poems and um, reflections. And Amina Akhtar wrote a, a poem and there's a phrase in it which says, I look around the room for an ally, for someone on whom I can rely. And it just it, that really strikes me. Mm. That it's a really striking image for me of, of 
people looking you know and, and if you if you're in that in that room um you know, whether it's a real or a virtual room if you're in that space um you know be the ally be be someone to back people up to speak up um to challenge um and then, yeah and there's a really great um the guide to ally allyship by amelia lamont is also very very good really great website so if you just type in guide to allyship you'll get that um, website and there's lots of really great things in there and particularly there's a really lovely thing about um, a little idea called boots and sandals which talks about imagining that your privilege is a heavy boot that stops you from feeling when you're stepping on someone else's feet or when they're stepping on yours while oppressed people only have sandals and it kind of says, well, if someone says, ouch, you're stepping on my toes, how do you react? And if we take that, thinking about stepping on someone's literal toes, the problems with many common responses then become obvious. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I can't believe you you think I'm a toe stepper. I'm a good person. Um, I don't mind when people step on my toes. Yeah. Some people don't even have toes. Why aren't we talking about them instead? All toes matter. I'd move my foot if you asked me more nicely. You know, and you start to think about some of the responses that that black people encounter when they start to talk about white privilege and you can and if you change it, you can see that the that there the responses we make don't really stand up and we need to be thinking about how we can, you know, own that privilege and then respond to it in a way that is proportional, helpful, and as an ally. Yeah, and there's a, there's a really helpful concept in there as well, isn't it, about taking on the struggle as your own. And actually, you know, there's a there's a very strong message as well coming across, which is the struggle is white people's because it's our we're the mm. problem. So yeah. actually, we should be making the effort, um, doing the work, and um, I think one of the things that we need to do is have conversations with with our own families and friends and communities. Mm. Um, and those are quite uncomfortable at times, aren't they? Um, yes. Well, but, you know, and... much less uncomfortable than um, than the effects of not having the conversation. So, yeah. Um, but it's... And in my organisation, my small little organisation, they've been hard, hard conversations and you know, um, there there have been misunderstandings and these are from people who really care about each other and who who invested in each other, um, still tripping across all those old kind of um, defensiveness. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of defensiveness um, that comes out in these conversations and being able to lay that defensiveness down and have the courage to listen to each other and to be thoughtful. It, it takes, it does take a lot of work actually. Um, and for me, I just can't advocate enough. All you need to do is start with any of the things Jerry and I have mentioned. If you just go in and type in white privilege, look at Robin D'Angelo's work about white fragility, um, you know, look at any of Wade R Wayne Reed's work, you'll start, and if you just click on their sources, you'll start to come into this really rich world 
um, which helps you understand the conversation so much better and can make you feel if you if you do your reading and you watch your videos and you do your thinking, you will feel much more able to have these difficult conversations well and to know how to manage to be a, a, an ally without um without making it all about you. Yeah, exactly. Or insulting people or um just, you know, fearing getting it wrong and being silent. Which doesn't help at all. And there's um there's a useful tool that I found from research in practice from the supervisor program. So it is open access. Again, you can just search mm. um research in practice constructing critical conversations in social work supervision and it's it talks about these being conversations in which there are power dynamics which get mm. exposed and so that's why it's uncomfortable um and and there's a wonderful video on there called um cracking the code have you seen that mm-hmm. on the same research and practice it's absolutely fantastic watch this cracking the code um and it's a black woman talking about how her sister-in-law used her privilege to help her help her through a really awkward encounter in a supermarket and it's just a really good example of how you can use your power to be a good ally. It's really fantastic work on the site as well. It's open source to in place. Yeah, and the um, the research and practice kind of advice, evidence-based advice around having these kind of critical conversations are that you, you must prepare. Um, you must think about your personal and social identity and privilege beforehand um, and be purposeful around this being about tackling inequality um, and you must prepare um, to en- engage with other people in terms of introducing the idea of the conversation, its purpose and its parameters and making sure particularly where there is a power imbalance that people are prepared to talk with you. And then, and then you have to kind of take a bit of a leap to have the conversation um, and then it's really really important to make sure that you follow up um, and allow the opportunity for for things that have come up to be picked up again um, and it's really nicely sort of summed up I think with this idea of breaking the silence with care um, so a careful mm-hmm. a careful breaking of the silence so the not a shattering of it um, mm. And a realization that your own freedom comes from being able to have these conversations and, and being aware of the part you play in keeping people, keeping other people at a disadvantage. And that's, and I don't, I don't mean that, you know, that's something going about doing actively, but if we don't think about our privilege and our power, and our own social identity and then think about that in contrast with others, then we keep the status quo, don't we? Yeah, and we're stuck in the same system. Yeah, We're stuck in the same system, but actually we as social workers, you want a place where people flourish, all people flourish, because that's just going to be a much better world to live in. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think... Educating yourself, 
opening yourself up to having some uncomfortable conversations and to realizing some uncomfortable things about yourself will really benefit um, your own practice and your own sense of self, actually. Yeah. So um, I think in terms of kind of potential actions, um, I mean, there is this real um, this real need for collective action, isn't there? Because actually, as you say, Joe, um, if anyone's oppressed, then we're all living in an oppressive society um, and an oppressive world. And we don't want to live in that kind of world. So there is a collective benefit and a collective purpose there. Um, so you might start with self-education, but then it's joining up with other people, um, friends and colleagues, um, maybe considering getting involved in things that are happening in your workplace um, or asking about things if there aren't things happening, um, getting involved with your national association. So that's BASWA in um, the UK, um, National Association of Social Workers in the US. There's a, you know, national associations in pretty much every country. Um, and also looking at other organisations that are doing this work really, really well um, within and, and yeah, within your country and, and globally as well, human rights organisations, um, movements that are opposing racism and practically um, advocating for changes to structures. Um, mm. And thinking about where your power lies and how you can actually, you know, where you have opportunities to be a good ally and, and really taking them up. Um, and the other thing that I found, which is really interesting, is, you know, casual racism. Um, so the other day I had someone around who was looking at um, doing some work for me, in, in, at my house. And in the course of a conversation, they kind of said that they were really frustrated with the BBC because it was um, – and it was around the time of the um, – it was around the time of the report that's just come out, the race, the race report that came out. And um, I thought at first they were saying they were frustrated because they were reporting that there was no structural racism. But I realised as the conversation went along that they were actually saying, because we're not racist and what about us? And there was a real moment there for me where I could have just let that slide. Does that make sense? And just gone, oh, well, you know, that's them and they're just here to do this thing. But Instead, I chose to be more curious about it and to try to have a, a conversation um, about it. And then to, at the end of it, when I could see clearly that there was some real racist thoughts there, decide not to contract that piece of work out to that person. So, you know, I don't know whether that's, but for me, I just thought, okay, well, if I'm really going to do this, then actually I need to be clear in my values and where I spend my money and how I talk back to people. And I think once I would have just kind of gone, oh, well, oh, well, we're all different. And now I'm kind of trying to go. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's and a, I, an I important know. element yeah. of, um, for social work practices, isn't it, of um, the difference between being judgmental um and having a judgment you know so mm. um there are behaviors and actions and opinions that are not okay and it's mm. it's okay to, to judge that but that doesn't mean that you're um negatively judging a person um you're just responding 
with judgment to the thing and that's and happening. trying to have the conversation like I didn't leave in bad mm. terms or anything it wasn't like that but I just thought no I'm going to I'm going to actually kind of put my point of view across um, and we you know like I said there was no conflict between us but I just thought it's important to actually speak out instead of just kind of let it slide yeah. and I think once upon a time I would have let it slide yeah and the difference as well I think you know, there's some, sometimes some confusion around what tolerance means but I I saw a really helpful um, description of, of, of this which is um, tolerance of tolerance is tolerance but tolerance of intolerance is intolerance mm, yeah so yeah I think I think there's there's lots for us to think about isn't there because this is not simple and I know for me doing um, I've been lucky enough to be asked to try and, and run some anti-racist workshops to allow people to start to have conversations um, around racism. And at first I kind of wasn't going to do them. And then I thought, no, I will stand up and do them. And they have been, they, they are challenging actually, <laughs> um, but in a good and interesting way, you know, um, and it is that breaking the silence carefully and trying to make sure you bring in as many voices and, and the, the resources that are out there. In particular, there's a fantastic series um, done by um, a Channel 4, and it's called Take Your Knee Off My Neck. And there's a really, a really small set of video clips, and they're very, very powerful mm -hmm. and worth watching. So there's, like I said, there's so much really great information out there. Yeah, I think we're very fortunate when we're engaging with that, um, with those conversations, and when you're doing those workshops, for example, that you've got the support of colleagues and their wisdom and lived experience yep. that they're generously Absolutely. sharing, and also all yep. of this work that people have have done. Um, so often without you know, recognition. So, um, yeah, there's an awful lot that we can we can build on. And I think it is um, it is a time of opportunity at the moment. Um, mm. You know, it's a it's a it's the it's a good time to act. The, the right time is always before before now. But now, if you haven't done it already. Yeah. Mm. OK, does that feel like an OK place to leave it? I hope that everyone's been. Um, you know, that it's been provoking people to think about this topic because it's something that I think about all the time now, actually. It's just kind of in the back of my head all the time. And it's, yeah, it's uh, once your awareness is properly, uh, properly um, once your awareness is raised, you, yeah, you once can't you see it, you shouldn't be able to look to, away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I've tried to say, Jerry. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jace. I'll see you again soon. Yeah, see you later.